Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. So let me ask you a question. How many of you have seen the movie The Social Dilemma? Anyone see The Social Dilemma? Good? All right. Everyone needs to watch it. Who doesn't have a TV in this room? Anyone not have a TV in this room? Okay. Everybody needs to watch this. Anyone not have a phone? Okay. Everybody needs to watch this. This is one of the most profound documentaries that we as individuals can watch. Oftentimes we think about documentaries and how good they'll be for other people to inform us or about our children and about parenting. No, this document, documentary literally tells us how we are being manipulated every single day. Has anyone felt manipulated by media in the past 24 hours? Give me an amen. amen. Now here's the problem, okay? I'm going to get a little excited about this. Part of the manipulation is our fault. Do I get an amen for that? Amen. And here's why. The creators of the Social Dilemma documentary actually said that computer programmers have taken what they call as algorithms, and they take what you search to manipulate you and your thoughts and your beliefs and where you are going internally. You ever notice that either when you have your little Alexa or your speaker that goes into, the, into your computers and you're like, hey, I think I need a new coffee pot. And then all of a sudden, like everything about coffee pots pop up. Or you're on Amazon and you're looking up a new, a new shirt, a new shirt. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, why is everything about new shirts? And then all of a sudden you're thinking about, wow, what's going on in the world with COVID? Is it wrong? Bah, bah, bah. And all of a sudden every, everything pops up about negative COVID. Or you're thinking like, are things getting better about COVID? And then everything positive pops up. And then you're looking at political stuff. And then you're looking up things that are going on with the election that's coming up on Tuesday. And everything is not being driven by the computers. It's actually been, been driven by you. Been driven by you. And so if I was to take a test, if I was to say, do I have any volunteers, and I will not do this because no one will come up for this one. And I said, come on up, give me your phones, give me your phones. I'll take my wife's phone. She's not in here right now. And if I were to, if I were to open up her searches, I could tell you what she cares about, what she values, what she thinks about, what she is most engulfed with because of the algorithms, because of the algorithms. And so we're gonna to get to a place in scripture, in Colossians, that Paul talks about how our algorithms are messed up in our soul. Because we think this is the problem. This is not the dilemma. There's a spiritual dilemma that Paul practically attacks in Colossians chapter 3. So turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. And Holy Spirit, you just, I, I ask you, I know the first service, we have a little less time. I ask you, as far as you want us to get this morning in this passage, we will get. And when we have to stop, we will stop. Amen. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, if you can underline or highlight or whatever you can do, that's a great little phrase to underline. 
Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. Now stop right there. When you look at chapters 1 and chapter 2 of Colossians, it's all theology. It's all doctrine. And yet you're pulled, you can pull so much out that, that practically speaks to us and say, yeah, I get that, but I need to understand the fullness of what Paul is talking about, about the supremacy of Christ and identity in Christ and all these different things. And when he, now he goes to chapter 3 and 4, he goes completely practical. So we did all the theology and doctrinal stuff. And the next few weeks, we're doing all the practical application things. But before he jumps into the practical application of how does this now play out in my life, he says right away, he says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ. Before we get practical, before we learn to live out our faith, remember this, you are a new creation. You are no longer who you used to be, but now you are a child of God. You are not the person that was once far from God, but now every single day, whether you choose so or not, your name is written in the book of life, and God calls you his own. How beautiful is that? How amazing is that? And then what Paul says is he gets really practical. He says, set your mind. Set your sights on the things above. So when you set your sights, what are you doing? You have a target. You have a place that you want to hit. You have a focus point. You have something that your whole mind, your whole life, your whole actions, everything is directed in that area. Ready, get set, let's go. And Paul says right away, he says, set your sights. And so now we have to remember, why did we come to Christ? If I was to say to you, like, why are you a follower of Jesus? What made you say, I want to follow Jesus I bet you there would be some place of brokenness you'd say, I realize without Jesus, I cannot dot, dot, dot. I realize that there was something lost, something missing that God could only fill in that gap. And there comes a place where we put to death that old nature, that old desire. And Jesus makes us spiritually alive by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. I think if the church could understand that they are created anew in Jesus, this whole idea of saying, I have a new perspective, I have a new sight, I have a new focus. I love what Paul is saying. He's saying, Paul is stating you must be deliberate willful, 
and actively setting your mind on a new truth. You must be deliberate. You must be willful. You must be active. I'm turning 30 next week. Spiritual 30. I turned 49 last week. But my 30th spiritual birthday is next week. I've been walking with Jesus for 30 years. I remember when I was a two-year-old Christian. I'm like, why isn't everything better? Because I was two years old. Anyone have a terrible twos in your house right now? Yes, there is a battle for the will. There is a battle for the sights. There is a battle of really about, about deliberateness, about what we do and do not want to do. Do I get an amen? And we forget that. There is a deliberateness that we have to focus on so that the Spirit of God can train us and equip us to be the individuals that God has created us to not only be in our identity, but become in manifesting himself in our lives. And so if you are a five-year-old Christian, I know how it feels. And even as a 30-year-old Christian now, I still have some bad habits, some bad dispositions that God is saying, I'm still working on you. Remember when you were 30? I'm working on you the same way. But he says, fix your sights. Fix your sights. You're a new person. You're no longer who you used to be, but you are completely someone who is fresh, a complete exchange. And what Paul then goes into what I call an exchange theory. You'll hear me say this all the time. We think that when we give things up for God, that we're just left empty. That like, okay, how do I live without this stuff? How do I live without this stuff? How do I live without things that I'm attached to or, or things that I want? Whenever we give things up, it's only because God wants to give us something better. Seriously. So there's an exchange theory that Paul is going to lean into right now. It says this. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. So at first he talks about putting to death your sinful nature, right? That nature, Jesus will take that nature away. But there are still, there are still patterns and behaviors that kind of swirl around lurking in our souls, Amen? And we're drawn to do certain things whether we want to or not. Amen? It's why Paul says the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I do want to do, I don't do. There's always going to be this, this interplay. Even though we were put to death and given spiritual life, we still have the human nature that we are fighting with on a regular basis. And he says, have nothing to do with sexual immorality. Impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of, 
right? In the beginning, he talked more about, more about behavior. Now look what he talks about. He talks about the inner soul because our inner soul is what manifests in our behavior. And he says, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. He's saying now, Jesus has done the spiritual work that you do not have to be controlled by sin and death. Amen? Something we are not able to do in ourselves. But when we are a child of God and the spirit of God lives in us, now it's up for us to have new sights and saying, I'm going to get rid of those things that pre-Jesus determine my character and my personality. And then manifest it in certain things. And so Paul is so deliberate. He says, throw it away. Get rid of these things. Get rid of anger and rage. Maliciousness. Get rid of lying and cheating. Get rid of how you are always trying to, to kind of manipulate yourself into a posture of winning, of having to be first. And then he says, get rid of all these things, lust, impurity, sexual immorality. You see, God created sex to be something beautiful and amazing. Can I get an amen for that? Wow, you guys are really boring. <laughs> Seriously. That's not how we say it in our house. We say amen. 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 And I'll tell you why. Because as a young man, now I'm going to get brutally honest, as a young man who struggled with a lot of bad things, I gave all that garbage to Jesus. And he taught me the beauty of intimacy. And now I don't want that garbage in my life anymore. And I say amen to that. I say amen that I got rid of that garbage so that I can show, get to see the beauty of intimacy, the beauty of not having to win in arguments, the beauty of being able to be with others and walk alongside them and celebrate them, celebrate the things that God is doing in their lives. Because all these other things controlled and dictated the past of how it was all about Rob Parker. And I will be honest with you, there are times that I still want it to be about Rob Parker, and my soul will say amen to that, as my one son is smiling at me. <laughs> Paul said, get rid of these things. During COVID, my wife was like, she's like, I don't know what God is doing, but we're going to clean our house up about 100 times. We got rid of so much stuff during COVID. Rooms were empty. Closets were clean. I'm like, please, don't throw away the dog. I mean, everything. I mean, literally, the dogs were hiding when Sue was cleaning. Everything was going. And she was cleaning house. She was getting rid of the old so we can get ready for the new. Whatever that new is. And the new for us was not moving and getting away from, from New Jersey like so many people want to do right now. No, the new was making space for whatever God wants to give us next. He made space so Sue can have an office. 
He made space so when Brandon comes home from law school, he has a more comfortable place to live rather than in the midst of everything else. You see, there was an exchange we got rid of to make room for whatever God wants to do next. And I think that's the biggest lie that, that, the, that the church has told people. Just get rid of it. Stop thinking about it. Okay, that's really helpful. Now I'm going to think about it more. Now I'm going to really compulse. Now my OCD is going to go crazy. Now my anxiety is going to another. Don't you love when people are like, hey, stop being anxious. Really? That's helpful. But what Paul says is exchange your, your anxiety with peace, with hope, with self-control. I often say that people who struggle with anxiety are actually prayer warriors. They're intercessors because they feel different things differently than others. Maybe God's saying the, the anxiety you have was actually a, a bizarre blessing, but the enemy is using it for bad. Why don't we exchange your anxiety and now focus on the people that you can pray for like never before so you can learn while you drive to work that you're not focusing on yourself, but maybe on someone that God's going to put on your heart. We need to get rid of. We need to get rid of. Get rid of those destructive qualities so that you can make room for something new. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. I call Colossians the book of zingers, the one-liners. This book is so about one-liners, it's not even funny. Look what he says. He says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. How many times do I say, just, we just want to know Jesus? Put on your new nature. Jesus gave you a new nature that's covered through the Holy Spirit. And he says, learn to know Jesus. Learn to know who he is. Not was, is. Learn to know that, that as you look outside and as, as the God of the world takes care of the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, how much more will he take care of you? Matthew chapter 6. He says, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. It doesn't matter who you are. All are welcome to the table of God. All are welcome to the table of God. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You notice how these are all internal stuff? We all think about like it's all about behavior. No, our internal is what manifests in how we live our lives. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive one another, anyone who offends you. Well, you don't know what they did. Well, I know what they did to Jesus. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. 
And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Here's what I underlined in this. Put on your new nature as you learn to know your creator and become like him. I underlined clothe yourselves and then all the different characteristics that we're supposed to clothe ourselves with. I underline make allowances. In other words, the church should be the most graceful people. And then for another time, I underline clothe yourselves. You know what I love what Paul does? So I started this, I used the whole idea of the social dilemma. Contextualization, right? Right? I want to be able to be so earthly-minded so the Spirit of God can work through me. So my first thing to do was because kind of like hook you with something that you can all relate to. Your phone, your technology, and the influence that it's had in your life. So when Paul talks about clothing yourselves, he contextualizes Colossians. In Colossae, it was a fabric and fashion place. That's where all their money was made, in fabric, and trade. And many of them were also involved in, in fashion. And so that was their business. That was their industry. And so as Paul is sitting in prison, he's thinking, how can I convey this idea of this next move of practically following Jesus, this whole idea of having a new life, a newness of life, a transformation that something completely changes. And he says, hmm, there's textile industry there. So let's talk about clothing. This is my favorite flannel, favorite flannel. Everyone's like, why did you bring another shirt on stage? Are you going to spill on yourself? No, my coffee's down there. I love this shirt. I love this shirt. This thing is awesome. My wife is so sick of this flannel. Any wives out there that there's certain shirts that you just hate of your husband, right? There's certain things. I mean, I have like five COVID shirts that I only wore. That was it during COVID. For five months straight, there were five shirts. This was one of them if I went outside. This is a COVID shirt. I'm going on vacation for a few days with Sue this week, and this shirt will be coming with me because it is way too comfortable. But it's old. And my wife does not like it. And she's like, really, that one today? But he says, take off your old. No matter how comfortable your old nature is, no matter how it, it felt so good, but yet you knew it was so wrong, he says, take it off. And put on a new shirt. Clothe yourself in Christ. Change your attitude. What's up, honey bun? Here's my old flannel. <laughs> and he says, clothe yourself with Christ. Put on your new nature. Filled with love, grace, compassion, mercy. All these things that used to dictate and determine who you once were and that you came to a place of hating, that's why you came to Jesus. Take off 
that, new, that old nature because I'm giving you a new identity and a new nature. There are certain things that Rob Parker will not do because Rob Parker, it's not that he should not do it, but he cannot or I'm putting on my old flannel. And what I love what Paul is saying is, is that he uses the idea of daily activity. Even though you walk in your new identity no matter what, you have the opportunity to have the Spirit of God to live in you forever, and you can't take that away. You can squash him, you can put him in a box, you can hide him in your soul, but he ain't leaving. Amen? He ain't leaving. That was a gift from God because you said yes to Jesus. But you... Every single day, get to choose the nature you are going to walk in in that moment. Every single day, you get to choose what shirt you're going to put on. Am I going to live in my old identity filled with anger and rage and sinful behavior and hurtful behavior? I can't even talk. And all these things, all these things that I hated about myself and people could not stand about me. Or am I going to choose Jesus every single day of my life? And every single day, I am going to wake up and put him on. And every day when I look in the mirror, I'm going to say, I'm going to clothe myself in my identity of who I am. And I am purposely going to throw away who I used to be. Because this baby needs to be retired. Amen? It needs to be retired. It has to be. It's dangerous. It has called hardship in your life. It has caused pain. It has caused sorrow. It has caused broken relationships. And yet, we have a tendency to always want to put on the old. What a perfect message for Halloween. I actually was going to dress up as a Bible character and put on fabric and take the fabric off, but I decided not to because I couldn't find my size. But here's what we learn about Halloween. Today, a bunch of people are going to run around being that which they would love to be or that, or that which they should never be. Like, my one son's going to dress up as the Joker. I don't want my son being the Joker for his life. That'd be a really bad day. Have you seen that movie, what that guy does? Like, he's going to be a killer Joker today, but, but I don't want my son growing up to be the Joker. I had a son that would be a superhero or a daughter who would have been Wonder Woman. Like They're like, I want to be a superhero. And I think oftentimes what we do is we determine our debt. I'm going into a tough conversation. I think I need to put this back on. I'm going into some meetings that I have to kind of give some oomph more than I want. I think I need to wear this today. But I'm going to church. I'm going to my life group. I'm even, I'm even going to go to, like, a Center for Food Action. I think I'm going to put this shirt on today. Yeah, that's what we do. Too often we pick and choose when we want to clothe ourselves with Christ. And because we pick and choose when we want to clothe ourselves with Christ, we miss the work of God in our lives, what he wants to do from start to finish. And the truth is, some days we start with the wrong shirt on, But when the Holy Spirit convicts us, we need to do a wardrobe change. You tracking with me? I 
I think Christians need to be the most attractive people on the face of the earth. And I don't mean physically attractive. I mean emotionally attractive. Look at what it says here. Clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Look what else he says. He says, clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourselves with forgiveness and making allowance for others' faults. Sue was having a really rough day. This is true confession. And I just was not a present husband. I wasn't. I didn't want to hear the same story a thousand times. Men, have you ever had that happen? No guy's going to say anything. Why is it always the girls like, amen, preacher brother? Right? That's what everyone goes crazy. Men, let me say it again. Have your wives ever said something a thousand times? You're like, I don't want to hear it again. Amen? Look, you guys are just all so stinking holy. I need to find a new church. Right? Here I am confessing my soul. Right? And yesterday morning, yesterday morning, I said to myself, Rob, you're a jerk. And I said, I need to clothe myself for my wife today to be patient and kind and gentle. She's had a rough month. She's had a rough month. And I said to her last night, I said, hey, I really tried to be present for you. I'm sorry for what a jerk I was yesterday. That might have been the most holy thing I did all day yesterday. There's a whole other section that we could go into, but time is running out. So here's what I want to leave you with. Let's close it with this. I want to challenge you with two things. Set your sights. Set your sights not on who you used to be, but set your sights on who you are in Jesus. Just set your sights. I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation. I'm a child of God. I am born from above. The light of God lives in me. The grace of God lives in me. The mercy of God lives in me. The gentleness of Christ lives in me and dwells in my heart richly. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding is the one who guards me because I clothe myself in Jesus every day. I want to challenge you right now. I'm going to challenge you right now. Let's get spooky practical. Someone needs to take off their shirt, not literally, but spiritually. Someone, someone needs to take off their shirt spiritually. You've been carrying an old flannel that is way too comfortable for you. Way too comfortable for you. I never want this shirt to go away. It protects me in the fall. It's, it's time. It's time. What is that piece of clothing? Anger, rage, malice, content, sexual immorality, impurity, hatred, arrogance, pride. What's that, what's that one piece of clothing that if you were to really ask your children, hey, define daddy, and they say something with a, with a joking tone. Hey, tell us about mommy. Tell us about one another. What's that one thing? 
open the altar if you need to take, keep your shirt on. You need to leave your shirt here. Leave your shirt here. Or if you're at your, or at, or if you're at, you're at your seat, like literally spiritually, take it off and put something else on. Put something else on. Don't leave without the Spirit of God doing the work that He wants to do as we study the book of Colossians. Amen? Holy Spirit. Thank you for the amazing sensitivity you have put in my heart. And at times I hate it so much. But yet I need it. I need it. I need it. I need it. I ask you that you would give us a new wardrobe change. God, if we're too caught up in the moment, you reveal the algorithms of our soul. You reveal right now. You reveal the algorithms of our soul right now, right now, right now. great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.